Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. Good to see you all. Happy Mother's Day to all our dear mothers, right? Um, we want to celebrate you ladies for what you do, like it was mentioned. We wouldn't be here if it would not be from our mothers, right? We all agree on this. Um, lost my mother makes a few years now, and uh, every time it comes to the season, I think about her. She was an amazing woman. I remember when I was in seminary, she did a 40-day fast for me. She prayed for me for 40 days. She fasted for 40 days. Unreal, right? And uh, yeah, so I got so many good memories of her. And, and uh, for those that do have their mo- mother that, are, that is alive, I invite you to celebrate her. I think one of the things we don't do well enough is we don't celebrate each other enough. And uh, I invite you to verbalize, to bless each other, like uh, take the time to, to, uh, to, um, to bless. And uh, maybe your background is uh, you did not have a good mother. I invite you to walk in that forgiveness, forgive, and to bless. I believe this is what God is calling us to do. Amen. I would ask you to stand. And all of you, all of you watching, all the mothers watching, blessings on you too. As Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to come together. We're in awe of you. Uh, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. And I just pray for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that you would do something fresh in us. God, if it's, if it's only my words, it won't go too far. It has to be you behind. It has to be you before. It's you that we want to see. It's to see the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Father, we lift up our mothers. We pray that you would bless them, that you would care for them. All those that are um, wanting to be mom and they're struggling with that, Father, I pray also for your grace on them. Uh, For the moms that are struggling, and I just pray for your grace on them too. Father, may you bless all the ladies in this room, the, the, the grandmas, the moms, the future moms. Just bless each lady in this place, God. I also ask you to help me to deliver what you place on my heart. And I pray that you would be glorified in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we started last week this uh, topic on the end times. And um, it's a great topic. And some of us were excited to hear about the end end times and others not as much, right? Some of us are uh, uh, fearful when it comes to the end time. Some of us is we want more info. Give me more info. So the plan, or what we wanted to do, was just to unfold different thoughts when it comes to the time that we're living in. Just to give you a little snapshot of what I shared or preached last week, I took the funnel out, and I kind of explained how um, uh, the journey uh, or, or the timeline when it comes to our life or humanity. When Jesus died and rose again, and there was this, uh, this uh, anticipation or this message that he would come back, and we look at where we are today, and we look at the last hundred years. Like I like the, the image of the funnel. It starts like this, and then it goes, and it all comes with a purpose. All the pieces come together, uh, like in the birth of Jesus. All the pieces came together, and uh, so through history, we just go down, 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 and then it hits a mark where things are happening faster. 
And I have to say, and I shared about that last week, that things are rapid now. Things are going very fast. In the last hundred years, we saw things that, that humanity has never seen, seen before, from technology through, uh, through also the size of the population, pollution, and so on. We've never been there before. Humanity has never been there before. So it's important for us to know the time, the season that we live in, and not to be ignorant, at the same time not to be caught uh, by fear, but it's to see what is around and to respond accordingly. So what we want, what we talked about too was the fact that there's some absolutes and some interpretation. And when it comes to the absolute, there's some absolutes that you find in the Bible, like the return of Christ, he's coming back. Can you say that to your neighbor? He's coming back. That's an absolute. When it comes to the time, we're not too sure. We can have different graphs. We can have good ideas of how it's going to work. But there's no one that is not sure. Nobody knows the time. And that's what Jesus said. We can look at the seasons. We can discern. But we don't know. But we know one thing is coming back. It's the same thing when it comes to the rapture. The rapture is where the church meets, uh, where the bride meets the groom. So we don't know exactly where that's going to happen. We know that's a fact. That's the absolute. We know that that's going to happen. But we speculate when it comes to the when. Some people will say it's going to be pre-rapture, uh, pre-tribes. Some will say it's going to be in the middle. Some say it's at the end. I like, like I said last week, like what Keith Green said, be prepared for pre, uh, pray for pre, uh, be prepared for post. And so it's important for us not to get caught in the interpretation, but focus on the absolute. What I'd like to talk about today that is a reality that you find in Scripture is the presence of persecution. The Bible says that when we're getting closer to the end, as we're going through this funnel approach, one of the things that the Bible mentioned is that there's going to be a hamped up of persecution. And it's good for us to be aware of that. It's like I remember one time I was playing football with my friends. It was supposed to be flag football and it changed to full tackle football. I lost two of my teeth here because I wasn't prepared to play that kind of football. So the last thing you want to do, it's not to be prepared to what is to come. At the same time, you don't want to be caught up in fear and anxiety because we know that if, if we're going to go through stuff or we're going to face some stuff, we know that we're not alone and we'll try to unpack that today when it comes to the reality of God that is walking with us. So if you have your Bible, take a look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. We'll continue with what we shared last week, what I spoke on last week. And it says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Can you say that to your neighbor? Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't, fo the, the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains and with more to come. Verse 9, I'd like to focus on. And you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. And you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and, and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and, and will deceive many people. Verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will, will grow cold. And the one who endures to the end will be saved. So when we look at this text, one of the things we need to remember is Jesus was talking to his disciples first. And when you look at the Bible, there's some types and anti-types. Type is a picture of what is to come. Example of Jonah. 
Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three nights or three, day, three days and three nights. It, it, it's an image of Christ. He's the type and Jesus is the antitype. It's the same thing when we look at Matthew 24. First, Jesus is talking to them. It's not just talking to us. But at the same time, it also is a projection or, an ant, uh, or a preparal for us to experience the same thing. So when it comes to persecution, when it comes to hardship, I, li- I would like to believe that uh, the church would not go through tribulation or persecution. But when I look at the church, the history of the church, we can see that the church did go through persecution. It's all over scriptures. And at the same time, like you see Jesus preparing his disciples for persecution. And you look at some places in the world right now that are being persecuted. People are persecuted for their faith. So one of the things I want to lay, or what I'd like to share, the foundation I want to lay this, this morning is that, am I aware that this is to come? And am I prepared for it? So that's what I'd like to unpack today. And like I said, Jesus gave uh, his disciples a, head up, a heads up on persecution. If you look at John chapter 15, verse 20, it says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master since they persecuted me naturally. They will persecute you. Can you say to your neighbor, naturally? Naturally, they will persecute you, right? It's not a word I'd like to see. I don't like to read this. But it says naturally like I was persecuted. You can expect you too to be persecuted. And Jesus taught well, taught that well to his disciple. Your follower of me, your followers of, followers of me, you're called to imitate me. And you will go through uh, not the same thing, but you will encounter persecution and challenges. So we need to be aware of that. And we need to be prepared for that. And we don't want to be caught off guard. We don't want to miss out on what God wants to do as we are facing the future and as we're dealing with things to come. If you look on the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus talks about persecution. And as he talks about how we're called to live our lives, and he talks about our attitude when it comes to what is to come. And in verse 10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Other version, it will say happy, or, or you're, also it means you're being fulfilled, there's satisfaction, there's something good about persecution. Can you say to your neighbor, blessed are we if we're persecuted? It's kind of weird, right? It's, ah, I'm not too sure I want to say that, right? I'm not too sure I want to say bless. There's blessing in persecution. But what he says here is that blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And look what it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One of the things that we need to remember is life doesn't stop here. We're just pilgrims. We're just passing by. It's so important for us not to be caught here. We're living in, in a tent. One day we will have our eternal home. But right now we're just passing by. So when it comes to persecution, we're, we, we know that they're just for a season. That's why we can endure them. And this is why we can say, hey, if my master was persecuted, if I'm persecuted, then, hey, it's a good thing, right? And it says in verse 11, bless are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. The last thing you, the last thing you enjoy is for some people to say lies about you, right? It's not fun, right? And, and so Jesus says this will happen 
to the one that is walking in righteousness and also to, to, to the people that believes in him or because of him. And it says in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So you, you are with a great cloud of witnesses when you're persecuted. But here it says... Two reasons why someone will be persecuted or two reasons of persecution. The first one is because of righteousness. Like if you get, if you get persecuted because of, of ungodliness and you, do, and you get persecuted because you're following your own agenda, then it's, it was to happen and you, you kind of deserve it. But here it says that the church or the believer will be persecuted because of righteousness. It's like the, the picture that Jesus gives in uh, Matthew chapter 7 about the wide road and the narrow road or the narrow gate. And uh, for many years when I read that the first time, I, I guess I visualized where I pictured this large road and uh, the narrow road. And I'm on this narrow road and there's this large road. And I, kinda, kinda, I can kind of see those on the large road, but we're not on the same road. But I think it's different than that. I think that, first of all, when it comes to the narrow road, it's, it has a different source, it has a different path, and it's going in, in a different destination. So I believe that when you look at the wide road, it goes one way. I believe the narrow road is completely the opposite. Completely the opposite. So the moment you walk in righteousness, that means pleasing God, that means to walk according to his word, you will enter conflict because you're going against the flow. You're not believing the narrative of the world when it comes to morality, uh, in view of sexuality, when it comes to values, you're going against you're going against the flow. So the moment you go against the flow, you will hit a knot, you will hit a position. So it's important for us not to be surprised by that. And the last thing you want to do, it's to compromise. The last thing you want to do, it's to, uh, it's to say, well, I'm afraid of offending people, so I'm going to do what the people, what the mass wants. And you don't want to do that, right? So if you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it gives us a snapshot of the difference between us and the world. There's a huge difference between us and the world. And it's kind of described here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. First of all, it's to acknowledge the mercy of God. It's to acknowledge the coming of the Messiah, understanding the mission of love that the Father expressed through the obedience of Christ. And so that's the first thing that the believer sees. The believer sees the mercies of God. And because of that, he offers his body as a living sacrifice, where he says, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for the gospel. I, I understand the love that God has for me. I assimilated the love of God. I received that love. And it causes me to lay my life down to God. And it says here, and holy and pleasing to God, meaning God takes pleasure in that. That's contrary to the world and the ways of the world. And it says, this is my spiritual act of worship, is, is, is the way you live your life. You live a life of worship, and your worship is expressed by laying your life down and say, God, I live for you. I live for your kingdom. I'm caught up with you. I'm caught up with your kingdom. And, and so that is totally different from the world. And then you see in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. 
meaning that you're not thinking like the world. And the world thinks about selfishness. The world thinks about pride. The world thinks about personal agenda. And, and the gospel, it's totally the opposite. It talks about surrender. It talks about submission. It talks about love. It talks about obedience, right? And, and the world doesn't want to adopt obedience. And actually, we find freedom in obedience. And it's the opposite. This world looks at freedom in, in liberty where you can do whatever you want. But there's no freedom in that. It brings you into bondage. For those that are a little older or have no hair, you know what I mean. Because liberty that is linked to sin, sin doesn't bring freedom. It brings you in captivity. It brings you in captivity in your heart. It brings you captivity in your mind, in your body when it comes to addictions and so on. It brings you into a snare. And so, so we don't want to live like this. So we don't want to conform any longer to the pattern in this world. But what we want to see is we want transformation, the renewing of our mind where we don't think the same, where there's an inner transformation. And look what it says. This is the pinnacle of it. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And this is the climax of it, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the difference between the world and the church. The church seeks is good and pleasing and perfect will. Longs for that, desires that, seeks after that. And the only thing, the only way it can happen is when there's a transformation inside and when we lay our lives down for him. And so this is contrary to the world. So when you live this way, what happens is that there's going to be conflict. And you will live differently. The world will see me and see you intolerant because we don't follow the morality narrative. But we can't. Not because religion, not because of law and, uh, laws and do, uh, do's and don'ts, but because of what's happening inside. Something arises inside of you, and actually that's the reality of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And you can't go with the flow. You can't just, you can't just absorb and, and think that um, because a mass is doing it, you got to follow. Actually, when I look at movements, when it comes to morality, that thought that they would lower the standards and put the word of God on the side, and do, by doing this, they thought they would grow, well, these movements are basically all dead now. Because God doesn't bless that. When we compromise the truth, when we compromise the reality of God, or in the way that we don't acknowledge him, God doesn't bless that. And you think that by opening the floodgates and, and lowering the standards, people will come and the church will grow. No, it doesn't work like that. And you see it, the proof is already there. We saw that in the last few decades. Churches that are dying, it's churches, churches that don't have any values and they don't run or they don't function according to God's word. So we're called to live differently. We're, listen to this. We're called to be different we're called to live differently because God has a mission for us. And I like what it says in Matthew chapter 5, going to the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll use this for a, like a, in a few places. Living differently because we're on a mission. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, and you've read this before. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And the last thing you want to do is to lose your saltiness, right? It... it Imagine being white like salt and losing your saltiness. You don't want to see that happen, right? The salt is different. It has to be different. If it wants to make a difference, it has to be different. To make a difference, you got to be different. 
Can you say that to your neighbor? To make a difference, you got to be different. The salt is different. The salt is seasoned in meat or it makes, it gives taste. It's totally different to where it's put in. It, it stands alone. It's, it's different. It says, how can it be me salty again if, if it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled by men? Meaning, you got to be different. So my title, it's, it's okay to be different. Actually, we're called to be different. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, on a stand and it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before man and, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So again, the light is different from darkness, right? <laughs> Cannot have big, <laughs> as much of a contrast between light and darkness. Light and darkness. But what does the light do? It's on a mission. It brings light into the darkness. It's not just light. It's not just salt. It's not just different. It's not just different, a light, no, a light shines, its purpose is to shine in the darkness like the salt is to season and to preserve, right? So we need to, to realize, and the punch of my message this morning is this phrase, our calling is to love, but not expect to be love. Our calling is to love, but not to, not to be love. And that's a hard thing, right? Our calling, my calling and your calling, it's not to be loved or to be accepted by society. But my calling, it's to love. My calling, it's to value people in front of me. My calling is to give myself to, to, to others. The danger is when a church, when people are so desperately desiring to be loved. I think this is where we make the biggest mistake. No, you can't separate the two. You can love without seeking to be loved. And I think that's how you deal in persecution, is you're driven by love, not expecting to be loved, right? And we, we, we are loved just in Christ, knowing that we're accepted by the Father, and that's the foundation of our, of our life following Jesus, to know that we're accepted by him. But the last thing we want to do is to be accepted by the world. It's okay if we're not accepted, but that doesn't stop me of living a life of love. If I seek acceptance, if a church seeks acceptance and that's the motto or the, the, the heart behind it, it's going to fail. At the same time, if the church stops to love and to pursue others with love, it will also end up in the same place. So our calling is not to compromise so we can be accepted or love. Our calling is to love. Look at what Matthew chapter 5 says, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. You're in a reflection of Father when you love. But it's not because you love that you accept the values. Absolutely not. And like Romans chapter 12, verse 14, Paul says the same thing. Bless are those Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. What an approach, right? It's like you love, but you don't expect anything in return. You do it because that's your calling. You do, you do it because of your encounter with God, right? So the question is, when it comes to the text I read in, in persecution, so you're persecuted because of righteousness, and you will also get persecuted because of Jesus. 
just because of Jesus. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Why? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, But the Son of God came to destroy the work of the devil. You know why you'll be persecuted and hated? It's because there's a spiritual war going on. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. So there's a spiritual realm, okay? There's a physical world, but there's a spiritual world. So there's a, there's a war that is raging against Jesus. Having a French background, when it comes to uh, Christianity, there was some abuse in the church in the past. Um, but right now in the French world, you can talk about anything but not Jesus. You can talk about New Age. You can talk about all Oriental religion and so on. You'll see that and talk shows everywhere and all that. But there's no mention of Jesus. Just a mention of Jesus, people are, because a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual battle going on. So we, we want to be aware of that. We want to be aware of that, that when you, when you follow Jesus, people don't like or the enemy, not people, the spiritual climate or what the enemy, he doesn't like Jesus. It's like, you, you, like for example, you watch movies and you will hear uh, the word of Jesus in vain all the time, right? If you, if you watch Netflix and you watch uh, movies, you'll hear... Jesus' name in vain all the time. It's, it's funny that, or it's sad, that you hear the name of Jesus, but you don't hear any other names. That's, have you ever thought about that? We never saw anybody uh, blaspheme Lucifer. I'm not saying this thing to do, but I'm just saying, like, you, you don't see that on Krishna or, or uh, Muhammad. You probably would get killed. But when it comes to Buddha and all that, but you don't see that, Right? But the moment you, 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 you think about Jesus, people are taking Jesus' name in vain. And why is that? It's because there's a, there's a, there's a battle going on. And, and, and it's, I, I believe that hell hates Jesus. With all of its power, it hates the name of Jesus. And I believe that it also hates his bride, the church, and that represents him. So, so it's important for us to realize that when you carry the name of Jesus, there's going to be persecution. When you walk in, in, um, in righteousness and you follow his ways, there's going to be persecution. So I need to prepare myself for that, right? So how do I deal with persecution? How do I deal with persecution? First, I need to decide who I'm following. I need to decide now before it comes, who am I following? Am I following God? Am I living for him? Or am I following Jesus like the crowd that followed Jesus for the, for the, for the free bread? Right? And Jesus turned around and he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they all left. And he looked at, at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, well, it's only you, Jesus, that have the eternal life, words of eternal life. But when he was talking about eating his blood, uh, eat, drinking his blood and eating his flesh, he was not talking about communion. It was talking about absorbing Christ in your life and to live a life with him that would probably cost you something. And everybody left. So, so when it comes to persecution, how you prepare yourself is, right now, who are you following? Who's your master? Who are you living for? Because it's going to be way harder then than it is now. So if you can't make your mind now, it's going to be very hard for you to make your mind then because the pressure and the tension and the influence will be way harder than now. 
So it's important for us when we look at the future because it's very clear. It's not my words. It's very clear there's going to be a time there's going to be way more persecution than we know. At the same time, the persecution is not a bad thing because it exposes where we are. I remember being a teenager. I went to school grade 11-ish, I went to my chemistry class, and I sat on my stool, and you know those desks with the sink and the faucet, so I came in, really happy, and I had my Bible atlas, I was, I love geography, I love history, so I was reading this in my spare time, so I placed my Bible atlas at the corner of my desk, and the teacher saw that, he took, he took it, and he said, ah, we have a Bible-believing Christian here, do we have a reborn in the house? Born again Christian, reborn, right? And I remember sitting there as a teenager, and because I was a minority, I was basically the only one following Jesus. But it was a good thing for me. It strengthened my faith. Okay, who do I believe? Who will I follow? You see? And it, it causes me to evaluate how, who, who will I live for? And that's so minimal compared to what will happen in the future. It's so minimal but I think it's, it, it, persecution exposes who are we really following. Because the first text I read to you in Matthew 24, it says that the love of many will grow cold. So, so what happened is that because of tension, they prefer not to deal with persecution. They, pref they prefer to go on the, narrow uh, on, the, on the large road. It's a lot easier. But my prayer is that you wouldn't. My prayer is that you would make a decision to follow Jesus now and to live for him. So important to do. It's, a, it's to go in your room, go for a walk, and take a stand between you and God. God, I give you my life. I want you to be my Savior, absolutely, but be my Lord. And it's not just one-shot deal. Salvation is a one-shot deal because you're, you get your name written in the book of life. But you got to renew this all the time. Where am I with my faith? How, how, how real is God in my life? If persecution would come with full force today, what would I do? That's a question I need, to be, I need to be able to answer. So first, I need to decide, who am I following? The second thing, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I cannot face persecution in a position on my own. I need power inside of me. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you say that to your neighbor? I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is God's divine grace for me to face whatever I'm called to face. I can't do it on my own. I need to be renewed inside. I need to see his power. Like it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. But how can I be a witness and face persecution if there's no power inside of me? Right? I need to see the surge of power. I need to be filled and renewed by the Holy Spirit. It's so important. As we face the future, we need more and more of the reality and the influence of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized, submerged, hidden in the presence, reality, and power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, you see Peter that denied the Lord previously. And in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers, elders of our people, and he goes on. He's got boldness now. Because it's filled with the Holy Spirit. Before that, he was afraid. He was timid. He hid. And now he comes in the public place, and he talks about his Jesus, and he's ready to die for the cause. What happened? He went to a course of self-help, of how to be courageous and a toastmaster, how to speak. 
No. It was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a difference it makes, right? You look at Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 55. But Stephen, just before he, he was put to death, he was stoned to death for his faith. But Stephen, full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily in heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at the right hand of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. They're going to kill him. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's able to say, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. There's something inside of him. Right? And Jesus stands up in his behalf. He's the first person to be persecuted, or persecuted, killed, or martyred. And I think Jesus stands up for all those that lay their lives down for the cause, for his cause. But just to say that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to go before God and say, God, empower me. Fill me up. Energize me. I need you to take over. You know, it's, it's awesome to be saved. It's awesome to, to have your name written in the book of life. But there's a need for me to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or I'm filled by him. When I start my day, God, I can't do it alone. Fill me. Anoint me. Empower me. Encounter me, God. And, and I believe as we go forward, and we'll talk more about uh, the harvest that is to come, that was prophes prophes prophesied by Jesus, there's a need for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's another text that talks about how to prepare ourselves when it comes to persecution in the end. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Look what it says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. That we have to remember, that God always keeps his promises. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of, of his return is drawing near. So how do you face persecution? You have to hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. We got to go to the word. We got to dip ourselves in God's word. Not to be offensive, uh, this morning or to provoke anything. Do you read your Bible? When's the last time you had interaction with God in the book? Like you might read the Bible with your uh, daily bread and it's fine. But when, when have you had interaction with God? Where you read the word of God and, and you took time just for him to, to converse with you? Because his word speaks to you and for you to talk to God and have this interaction with God? If we don't have that, we don't have any ground. You know? We're, we're saturated with Bibles. We have Bibles on my tablet, on my everywhere. But where's the Bible in my life? Like if I, if I would ask you, how many times do you open the book in the week? It's for you to answer, not to put you on the spot. I want you to raise, for a, hand, to a raise of hands. But the thing is, if I don't take like holding tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, and that's our doctrine, what we believe. If that is not holding tightly, I'm going to be swept. Perse persecution will come. I won't be able to, to stand because I, have, I will have no roots. So what is God saying when it comes to different matters? What is God saying when it comes to your own life? 
When the level of lust is so high, and the level you look at the, uh, the wave of pornography that is so intense in our world, if I don't deal with heart issue, I'll be swept. I will be taken by that. And the only way that I can experience freedom is when the word of God sets in my heart. Like it says in Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word into my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. But how do I don't walk in sin is when I hide God's word into my heart. Where I want his heart to change... Uh, his word to change me. I like the example of Joshua. It's not on the screen. Verse one, verse, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Be strong and be very courageous, Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. You see, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave for you. Because you're on a mission and because you're entering pagan ground. You're entering pagan ground and you're on a mission. So that's why you want to attach yourself to, God, to God's word. So he said, do not turn to the right or to the left that you may have success, successful wherever you go. So you don't go to the right, you don't go to the left. Verse 8, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meaning that you converse with God. It's not only in your heart, in your mouth, you repeat it. And that's what they would do. They would repeat it because they didn't want their mind to, to be neutral or to, to be, to, to be uh, stagnant. So, so you, you, you repeat the word of God. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in, in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Like, we like prosperous and successful, but we have a problem to keep God's word on our, on our lips, right? And also in our heart. So we want to see that. So, so how do you face persecution? You got to take a hold of God's word. You got to know what he's saying. You got to know, you, you need to have interaction with him. The other thing, too, is that, that you need when it comes to facing um, persecution. It's, it's like it says in verse 24, it's by living with purpose Mission will cause you to deal with persecution. Let us think of ways to motivate ourselves to acts of love and good works. Mission will push you to go through persecution. Mission will cause you to endure stuff that you never thought you could endure. The value of people. Like when Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. When he goes, I believe, I don't have it in my notes, in Romans chapter 9, he says, I would, pre I would prefer for me to be separated from Christ to see my nation come to faith. It's unreal, right? Driven, driven to see people be reached with the gospel. A passion to see others come to, to the knowledge of Christ. Willing to endure whatever needs to be endured to see the mission being fulfilled. What will lead you to go through persecution is mission. You get hit down, like he says in 2 Corinthians, I believe 4, chapter 5, 4 and 5. I get hit down, but I bounce back up because of the mission. You know, I'm focusing on what God is asking of me. So how do I deal with persecution is living with purpose. Another thing that we find in, in this chapter is verse 25 is not neglecting meeting together. And do not let, and do not Neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. The reality, when it comes to persecution, we can't do it alone. I can't stand against the wave of persecution alone. I can't be an island. I need other people in my life. So essential. And my last point is by expecting Jesus to come back. The reality, it's foundation in our word. 
in the Bible. As a believer, you believe that he's coming back. So there's a sense of urgency. And it's also, there's a sense of urgency from one side, and there's a sense of, okay, God, this is not home. Urgency to do the mission, to walk in godliness, and, and, and to be willing to suffer for Christ because of his calling, but also because of mission, but also knowing that it doesn't stop here. He's going to come. He's going to straighten out the books. He's, he's going to do, he's going to bring justice. And Brenton will be speaking next week on judgment because that's a big part of end times. But the question I have for you today, are you willing to make a commitment to follow Jesus? Maybe you've been raised in the church and you've heard me say that many times. But you got to make a commitment. This is not enough. Coming to church is not enough. There needs to be a commitment where you choose to follow Jesus. You need to draw the, the, a, line, a line in the sand and say, hey, I choose to be a committed believer. I need to make my decision. Actually, when you look at lukewarmness, when you look at being on the fence, there's no fence. There's no fence. You're following God or you're not. It's, it's not nothing in between. So I've got to make a commitment to follow Jesus. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to see my need of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to hold on to his word or I need to see his word, word hold on to me or change me in the inside. I need to live with purpose where I'm willing to, to go through hardship because of people. I need to connect with a body. I can't do it alone. I need to live with expectation of his return. I need to be caught up with Jesus like I shared last week. The 10 wise virgins were waiting for Jesus. They were looking forward for Jesus. They were in love with Jesus. And that's what we need in our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.